welcome to Upgrade Your Faith. I'm Pastor Luke. Uh, normally we do bite-sized Bible studies on our channel, but every now and then we run into a unique circumstance where it's important for us to dive into the Word and do a full sermon. And given the fact that many people right now are at home and unable to go to their churches, I thought it would be a good time for us to just spend some time together in God's Word, going through it a little bit more in depth. My hope is, is that if your church does offer an online stream, that you're participating in that, that you're worshiping with your church, because there's nothing like one being part of that local congregation where you have a relationship, trust, and love built up with your pastors. And so if you have that opportunity, please take it. But I also know there's a lot of us that are parts of churches that are smaller, maybe don't have the technical capabilities to get a sermon online. And so if that's your situation, glad that you're here, glad that you're listening, and uh, let's go ahead and jump into the Word. Uh, today, my sermon is going to be about the topic of actively waiting. Uh, I, I think that's one of the things that all of us are kind of experiencing right now, where whenever you're told to wait, it's, it's a little stressful. It's a little nerve-wracking because you don't know what's going on, and you feel like you're powerless to, to do anything about it. Um, I always remember when my children were born being stuck because my, my wife has had to have C-sections. And so there's always this moment where um, they're taking her back to get prepared. And you kind of go to this waiting area and you get the mask on and that hat on and the gloves and, you know, the gown and you're, you're just sitting there. And minutes feel like hours and you're just sitting there and you're sitting there and you're sitting there. And you know one of the most important things in the world is about to happen. You know if something goes wrong, people's lives could be on the line. And though this is one of the most impactful, important moments of your entire life, the reality is you can't do anything. You're just sitting there in this outfit. You're by yourself. You're in this weird outfit, and you're just staring at the wall, waiting and waiting and waiting for something to happen. And it's in moments like that, if you don't have the right mindset, if you don't have the right focus, you will drive yourself insane. And so it's important for us to be able to be patient. It's important for us to know how in waiting can we actually be active and not just be someone who's sitting there, but be somebody who's doing something, especially something spiritual, that helps us be in a place where we can have that peace, we can have that patience, we can have that focus that we need, and that we can trust that God is going to lead us to victory. And today I want to look at a story from uh, the book of I'm sorry, from the book of Joshua. And in the book of Joshua, there's a story that immediately jumped to my mind when I thought about this topic of, of waiting and having to have faith in waiting. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up with me. And we're going to look at Judges chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 21. So again, that's Judges chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. Uh, it said, Then Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men spies secretly from Shittim, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came into the house of a harlot, whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. It was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men from the sons of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. And the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. It came about when it was time to shut the gate at dark that the men went out, and I did not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. 
But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them in the stalks of flax which she had laid on the roof. So the men pursued them on the road to the Jordan to the fords. And as soon as those who were pursuing them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now before they lay down, she came upon them up to the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of, your, of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. For we have heard now the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you came out of here of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. When we heard it, our hearts melted and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now therefore, please swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you will also deal kindly with my father's household, and give me a pledge of truth. And spare my father, and my mother, and my brothers, and my sisters, with all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. So the men said to her, our life for yours, if you do not tell the business of ours, and it shall come about when the Lord gives us this land, that we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall, so that she was living on the wall. And she said to them, Go to the hill country, so that the pursuers will not happen upon you, and hide yourselves there for three days, until the pursuers return. Then afterward you may go on your way. The men said to her, we shall be free from this oath to which you have made us swear, unless when we come into this land you tie this cord of scarlet thread in the window through which you have let us down, and gather to yourself in your house your father and your mother and your brothers and all your father's household. It shall come, upon, come about that anyone who goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be free. But anyone who is with you in this house, his blood shall be on his our head, if a hand is laid on him. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be free from the oath which you have made according to us. She said, According to your word, so be. And so she sent them on their way, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. And so this story, I think, is, is a very interesting story. I, I think there's a lot of pieces here that I think are important for us to look at. And first and foremost, I think when we look at a story like this, we just have to be struck with the fact that our God is an amazing God. You know, so often when we come to the words of, the, of Scripture, one of the first things that we do is we, we immediately want to jump into what is it, what, what's in it for us. We immediately want to have some lesson, um, some piece of advice, some, some act of guidance that we can take and put into our own hearts and our own minds and that we can use to make our own lives better. But there is just a moment where we need to pause before we do any of that. And realize the whole purpose of the Bible, the whole purpose is to help us grow into a greater relationship with God the Father. The whole Bible is about this relationship between God and his people. In the Old Testament, it's God and the Israelites. In the New Testament, it's Jesus and the church. And now today, it's about God and you. And so when we read this book and we read these stories, the first thing our hearts should be caught up with is with the amazement of who our God is and just the way that he loves us and that he treats us. So let's step back for just a second from all the wisdom that we can pull from this and let's just be awestruck by the fact that we have an unbelievably amazing God. 
In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 31, it says, For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with you, your fathers, that he swore to them. We have this awesome, awesome God who loves us and cares for us. And what I love about the story of Rahab, before we even dive into any kind of wisdom that we can pull from it, is just the fact that if you understand who Rahab is, it is unbelievable that God saved her, and then unbelievable that God did more with her. If you study the genealogies of the Bible, what you will realize is, is not only is Rahab saved, exactly like the story outlines, but that Rahab herself is a descendant of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But when you look at Rahab, there is nothing about her story, nothing about her background, nothing about her life that calls out to you that this woman should be in any way, shape, or form loved by God, honored by God, or saved by God. She is not an Israelite. In fact, she's one of the first stories we have in the Bible of a Gentile being converted into the faith. So she, she's not a person of Israel. Second, she doesn't seem to be a really great person when it comes to morals. She's a harlot. right? Her, her job is not a good job. What she does for a living is terrible. So she's, she's not an Israelite. She has this sinful career. And yet what we see is, is even though this woman has these things against her, even though from a worldly standpoint and also from a spiritual standpoint, it would seem like she is removed from the people of God from salvation. What do we see happen? We see that because this woman displays faith, God not only saves her and her family, but gives her a position of honor where she can look at her descendants and see that one of them becomes the Lord and Savior of the very universe. And I think all this ties back not to her behaviors, not to her deeds, but because of what she says to those men. Look at Joshua 2.11. She says, When we heard it, our hearts melted, and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. See, what this woman knew is, despite her sins, despite her not being an Israelite, she looked at what was happening in the world around her, and she knew that Yahweh, the God of the Israelites, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, she knew that was the one and only God, and that she had faith that that God was superior to anything and everything else in this world. And because she had that faith, God was willing to forgive her, and God was willing to save her. And so, brothers and sisters, before we dive into any of the wisdom that is in the story of Rahab that we can take into our own lives today, the first and foremost thing that we should just be awestruck with is the fact that we have an awesome and loving God, a God that, despite our sins, despite our lifestyle, despite all the things that we, we could have done before meeting him, that if we meet him and we respond to who he is with faith, if we respond to who he is with a repentant heart, if we fall down on our knees and go, you are God, Lord of everything. He's a God who forgives us. He's a God who loves us. And he's a God who even, as weird as it seems, offers us a position of honor in his family, which we don't deserve at all. And Rahab is one of the most beautiful examples of that. 
She is a woman who has no business being part of the kingdom of God. But she is. Because we have an awesome and loving God. And so that's the first thing when you read this story that you should just be taken away with. This is an awesome God who loves his people no matter how broken or sinful they are if we respond in faith. Now, after looking at that, there are a couple things I do think we can take away from this, especially as it, it goes to the situation we're in right now. It is weird, and I know not everybody's in this situation, but for a lot of us right now, we're stuck at home. You drive around and you see the world closed up. Stores are closed, sports are gone. The world is a very, very different place right now. And you find yourself, for the most part, locked inside your home, which, let's be honest, isn't really that bad. We we live in a very rich country. We, we live, most of us, with internet and television and video games and all kinds of material possessions to help us pass the time. And most of us have our own little yards that we can go and hang out in. Yet still, despite all of that, it, it feels stuffy to be at home. And I think the biggest thing is not the place we're at or who we're surrounded by. It's the sense that our normal has been broken. It's the sense that something big is happening in the world, and we don't have a whole lot of control over it. And that gives us concern, it gives us pause, it gives us stress. And all we really want is to be back in the normal. And it's kind of funny, because I think if we would offer many people the scenario they're in right now, two, three weeks ago, and said, hey, you can be home for weeks, or work from home for weeks, or... You know, any of those kind of situations, I think some of them would have taken it. But now that they're in it, they're concerned, they're stressed, they're worried. Why? Because the normal is gone. There's something big happening, and all we're told we can do is sit at home and wait. And so I want us to look at the story of Rahab and think about the things that were set up between this arrangement that she had with the Israelites and see if there reveals to us not just some truth of her situation, but some truth that we can apply to our own lives. And so when you look at the story, when you look at the agreement, the first thing that stands out is Rahab was required to distinguish her house from the others. So remember, as she takes care of these men, what she asks for in exchange for this is, hey, remember me when you come take over the city. And what they tell her is, we will do that, but, but, you have to make your house look different. Your house has to stand out from all the others. And so what they tell her, they'll put this red cord outside this window. And when we see that cord, we will tell our guys, if you see that, you leave that house alone. Because that house is different. That house is set aside. You leave that one alone. And so Rahab does this as a signal to show people, hey, I'm, I'm different. I'm set apart. And when I think about that for ourselves... It's kind of the same situation you hope to see right now with all of us being stuck where we're at. You hope that we are distinguishing our houses and that our houses stand out from everybody else's. Later in the book of Joshua, there's a verse that most people know uh, that talks about this, this need for us to be different. In Joshua 24, 15, it says, um, If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so Joshua's talking to the whole nation of Israel, and he's telling them, 
You make your choice. My family, my house, we've made our choice. We're serving God. And so when you look around right now, there are a lot of people who are stuck in a situation where they're full of stress, there's low peace, there's fear, there's anxiety, there's worry. A lot of people are sitting around doing nothing. And so my first challenge to you would be is learn to do what she did. Distinguish your house. Make your house stand out from the wet rest. And I'm not talking about you putting a, a red cord out your window. I'm talking about, is there a way for you to take your household, your family, and display within it a different kind of spirit, a different kind of faith, a different kind of heart, that while everybody else is stressed, worried, and, and maybe even resentful of the situation, you yourself don't have that. Your house reflects something different. Your house doesn't respect a negative spirit, but has this positive spirit that reflects back on God, on honoring Him, on having faith in Him, on being patient with Him. Can we set our houses aside so that they look different from everybody else's? The second thing that we see that Rahab has to do is Rahab's family must be inside the house during the battle. And I think this is another hard thing to deal with, right? It's one thing to be an active participant in the battle, because at least then you feel like you have control, right? If you win, you got to swing a sword, you got to be part of the fight. If you lose, well, that was on you. At least you got a shot to try at it. But it, it's this terrible feeling to feel like your fate is not determined by you, but determined by somebody else. And that while your fate hangs in the balance, you're powerless to do anything. You just have to sit there. You just have to sit there and let it be dealt with out of your hands and hope everything turns out well. Well, brothers and sisters, well, I understand that being stressful. For us as Christians, we should be perfectly fine with that. Because what that requires is it requires faith and it requires hope. And that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be a people of faith. Every single day of our lives, to be honest, nothing's changed. Nothing has changed for us. God is still on the throne. The world is still a mess. And we're still hopeful and faithful that God's going to come through. That has been true every single day of our lives since the moment Jesus Christ left and every moment we've been waiting for him to return. Right? The only thing that's different right now is the mess of the world is more visible to us. It's not hidden behind a facade that tells us everything is okay. Right now, all of us can see that things are a mess. And because of that, that's stressing us out. But we shouldn't allow that to change who we are. Everything has always been a mess. God's still on the throne. And what we know is God's going to come through. And so in this moment where we don't know, will this last another week, two weeks, two months, five months, six months, who knows? Will we wake up in a, in a year and find ourselves where Italy is today? I don't know. Will we wake up in two weeks and realize this was nothing? Everything passed? Who knows? We don't know what will happen. But here's what we do know. We know who our God is. We know that he loves us. And we know that he will work everything towards his will and towards his plan. We've got to have confidence in that. See, in Hebrews 11, chapter, chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And so in this moment where it feels like we can't do anything, there is some things we can do. We can faithfully pray to God. We can go to the Lord and we can just in this moment go to him and say, Father, I know this is in your hands. This isn't my battle to fight. 
This isn't about my wisdom or my strength or my capabilities. This is about you. And so in this time, I will patiently wait. I will prayerfully wait. I will have faith in you and I will have hope in you. And all around me, I will do my very best to show love both to you and to others, knowing that you will take care of this, that you will work this towards your plan. That's what we can be doing, is showing faith day in and day out in the way that we live, pushing fear and stress away and bringing in hope and peace that comes from Father God. That's what we need to do. We need to have that faith. In Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, it says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Again, nothing's changed in our lives. The reality is, is every single day we should wake up, fall to our knees, and go, God, I need you to get me through today. Right? The problem for a lot of us is what we do is we come to God as a last resort. We use up all of our own strength, our own peace, our own kindness, our own love. And when that's exhausted, we then fall to our knees and then we pray as a last resort saying, God, bail me out. The reality is, that's how we should start the day. We should start the day going, God, I need you today. I need your spirit to fill my soul and give me what I need to be successful today. And what we have to realize is, is if we have this faith, God will push the fear away. He'll push the fear out. Fear will have no place, and instead we will be strong in the strength of the Lord. That has to be our focus. That has to be our desire. The third thing we see in the story is, is that one, she distinguishes her house. Two, she has to patiently wait during the battle. But three, Rahab must not turn on the spies. So remember, after they leave her house, she has to hold to the agreement she's made to. No matter what pressure she's put under, no matter the fact that soldiers show up from the opposing army, no matter what occurs, she has to stay disciplined and focused on what she committed herself to. And so when I look at this, I, I think this is another place where self-discipline kicks in for us. Your normal, for a lot of you, has been ruined. Your normal is out the window. Now hopefully it's just sitting on the shelf and you'll get to pull that back down and you'll jump back into those routines at some point in the future. But for right now, many of us are living in a situation we've never lived in before. Now, it's your choice. How are you going to behave in that? Right? You've, you've made a commitment to your life that God is going to use you, that you're going to follow him, that you're going to work with him, that you're going to help build his kingdom. And a lot of times that feels easy when you're at church or you're in ministry or you're doing things. It feels weird when you're at your house and you feel stuck going, how do I actively do this? Well, brothers and sisters, you do it by showing self-discipline, right? In many ways, for those of us who are blessed to, to not be sick, to have health, to have a house, to have food, this is an opportunity for us to show self-discipline and build new habits, to build holy habits. And so a lot of people, I know what they're, they're doing is they're sitting on their couch and they're going through Netflix and streaming movies and listening to podcasts and playing video games and they're doing anything to pass the time. And in many ways, that's why it feels so long is they're just waiting for this to end. They're just hoping it's over quick. And so instead of actively using those minutes they're given, they are instead 
resentfully dragging their feet through them. Brothers and sisters, you want something to do? Pick up this book and read it. You want something to do? Spend time with your spouse. Spend time with your children. Pray with them. Talk to them about God. Do things with them. Engage them. Bring your family together. How many of us in the busyness of school and work and sports and all the things that normally eat up our time that weirdly enough right now have been canceled? How many of us in those times find that we're passing by each other and we're missing the opportunities to have deep, intimate relationships with our families? Well, guess what? In some ways, all those distractions are gone. You're locked together in a house. Make the best of it. Use this time to grow in your relationship with God. Use this time to grow closer together as a family. Use this time to complete the mission, which is love God and love people. You can do that. And even if you sit at your house and you go, I, I live by myself. No, you don't. You live with the Lord. You live with the Lord. This is a wonderful time to get deep into prayer. This is a wonderful time to get deep into the Word. This is a wonderful time with the beauty of technology that we have to reach out people through FaceTime or phone calls or if it's a family member and you want to invite them over. This is a great time where there are no other distractions and we can focus on what really matters. And so brothers and sisters, that's my encouragement to you is be self-disciplined. Don't just sit on your house eating chips and watching TV getting out of shape both spiritually and physically do the things that God has given you to do because you can complete your mission wherever you are remember Paul in prison did some of the greatest ministry of his life many of the letters that we read and love and cherish and God used were written when Paul was locked in his house and couldn't go anywhere your location does not determine your ability to accomplish the mission. Your spirit is what determines your ability to accomplish the mission. And passionate, fiery disciples realize no matter where you put me, no matter where I go, I can still do the mission. That's what I've always told people about Psalm 23. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. It's not about the green pastures and it's not about the quiet waters. The beauty of that message is the Lord's my shepherd. He's my shepherd in the green pastures. He's my shepherd in the valley of the shadow of death. And no matter where I am, the location doesn't matter. What matters is, is that I'm with the Lord. And if I'm with the Lord, then everything's going to be okay. And so I want to leave you with, with one last verse to ponder. It's one of my favorites. I, uh, you know, if you've known me at all, uh, I use it all the time. People are tired probably of hearing me talk about this one. But it is the, in many ways, definition of what a believer should look like. Right? Once we have made that decision to ask God to forgive us of our sins, once we have made the decision to turn away from that old life, and Christ has come into us because we have committed ourselves to Jesus, and we have decided to be his disciple, we are letting him lead, we are letting him dictate the path, once that's occurred for us, then no longer is it our broken, frail spirit that's leading the charge. It is the spirit of the Holy God that comes into our lives that now is there. And so 2 Timothy 1.7 tells us, The spirit God gave us is not one of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Let me say that again. The spirit that God gave you is not of fear, but it is of power, of love, and self-discipline. And so brothers and sisters, that's what we got to do right now. 
we got to be a powerful people that does not let the circumstances of the world, does not let a pandemic, does not let a quarantine, does not let the world that shuts down around us, do not let those circumstances make us weak and make us afraid. We stand boldly knowing who we are, who our Father is, and what our mission is. And with our feet firmly planted by that river of truth, we continue each day, even if it's just in our own houses, to live out that mission every which way we can. And second, we find ourselves being loving. This is a time where the world is stressed out, where the world is afraid, where some people are sick, where some people are broke, where some people have lost their jobs, where some people are sitting there not knowing what the world looks like. And you know what they need in the midst of this darkness? They need the light of love. And not love that just comes from your heart, but the love of Jesus Christ that he funnels through you because you are the body of Christ. The church is not the building that's locked up today. The church is not the building that you're not meeting at. The church is you. And you have the ability to take that love into the world. In moments like this, when people become afraid, they become selfish. They become completely consumed with themselves. And so I'm not saying that you shouldn't buy extra groceries or extra toilet paper or whatever to make sure that your family's taken care of. It also is a wonderful time for you to reach out to your neighbor who's scared or afraid, to reach out to that friend who's freaking out, and be someone that shows them love. Be someone that is willing to sacrifice for them. This is a wonderful opportunity for the Christians of the world to show the light of God in the midst of this darkness and to let that light shine. So people realize, even in the midst of the circumstances that seem stressful and fearful, God offers hope and God offers peace. Third thing, be self-disciplined. So right, we push that fear out. We stand firmly in who we are because we are powerful. We show love not only to God but to others because that is the spirit God has given us. And third, we are self-disciplined. Every new environment you go into, even your own home being there for long periods of time becomes a new environment. Each of those requires us to play the game different. And so again, don't be the people that just sit here and let the weeks pass by waiting for you to get back to normal because who's to say everything ever goes back to normal, whatever that is. Normal changes all the time. Here's what you know. Every day you wake up and there is breath in these lungs. You've been given a gift by God. And shame on us if we waste any of those days, any of those moments, hoping that they pass by. Use the spirit God gave you to be disciplined and work each and every moment to take you one step closer to God. Taking one step closer to that kingdom, doing just a little bit of work that helps build his kingdom. I'm so glad you've been here today. I'm going to go ahead and close this in a little bit of prayer. And then uh, I hope you get to live in the mission. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come before you, Lord, we may be separated by distance. We may be separated by not being in the same room, Lord, but we know that doesn't change the fact that you are our Father and that we are brothers and sisters in faith. Lord, we pray that just as your, your story tells us, that you have given us a spirit that wipes out that fear and gives us power and gives us love and gives us self-discipline, that God, that is the spirit we will live in, that we will reflect to the world, and that people will see in us. 
I pray, Father, that you will keep our friends and family healthy. I pray, Lord, that you will keep us from uh, experiencing this illness. We pray, Father, that you'll be with those who've already fallen ill to it and that they will find peace and comfort in you, Lord. And we just pray, Lord, that in this midst that we can do our little part to glorify you and to help build the kingdom. Father, we love you, we trust you, and we know that you will deliver victory through all this darkness. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. Uh, God bless you, and we will see you soon.